Welcome to Stuck in Misery, the best Midwest sports talk podcast. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, running a two-man band today with James West. Sam Renshin is out. James, college football is back this week. Mizzou opens with Alabama. I'm pretty sure the Tigers are already down 17 to nothing. But week three NFL lines as well. We have a full slate of games this weekend, buddy boy. Come on, Mark. We just interviewed James Franklin this week, and what did he say? What was the last question we asked him, what did he say? He said, you got to have hope. The players need it. you got to feed them that energy because they feed off of that. And, hey, and they need it. Hey, they need it. In Mizzou's defense, we held Alabama to a field goal before the game even started. I said 17 to nothing already. Again, kickoff's going to be at 7 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday night. But, James, we held the Crimson Tide to a field goal. So I'm, I'm giving the Tigers the benefit of the doubt. Hey, I'm, I'm really excited for this game. I'm excited to see uh, uh, Coach Trinkwitz in his first game, even though Mizzou's a heavy underdog. You know, you always got to have – you always got to keep that little bit of hope, just hoping for a good game. Hopefully uh, players stay healthy. And, again, too, dude, this is great. We, we got SEC football. Everything is almost fully back in swing. It looks like the Big Ten's gearing up as well. So, hopefully, we should have a pretty solid college football playoff, however that will turn out. But – Let's get into this Monday night football matchup, huh? Okay. As soon as we'll do that here in just a second, James gave a great shout out. Go listen to our interview, our discussion with former Mizzou quarterback, James Franklin. That was earlier this week. Thanks to him and thanks for him for coming on. It was a lot of fun and a great discussion there. So go check that out on our podcast feed. But James, Monday night football, the Chiefs against the Ravens. Baltimore, a three-point favorite. I think yeah. this is the game of the year, and whichever team wins, that team's quarterback propels himself to the forefront of the MVP race between Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. James, call me a Mizzou homer. I like the Chiefs in this one. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go the other way. I, I think I like the Ravens better. Earlier in the season, I think week one, uh, was because I, I wasn't able to join last week, I said I like that Chargers defense, and they held its own, I guess as much as you can say, against the Chiefs. They gave their team a shot to win it. But I look at the Chiefs, and we have a rookie quarterback in Herbert in his first start ever where he found out, like, what? Like, that morning that he was going to start? He was at the game. Yeah, and he gave them a run for their money, you know? And it's just, for me, I was like, hey, like, I get it. It's a divisional opponent. Those are always, I think, the hardest games to win. Anything can happen because you play those teams every single year, twice a year. But it's like the Chargers aren't in the running for a ship, you know? Like, they drafted the future, but he's, they're, they're, you know, he, they weren't planning on starting him. I don't know, man. I, I think – I think uh, I think the Chiefs might might have a, a a crack a crack in the boat, might have a leak. But Ravens look good. I'm going Ravens all the way. I said too when we were picking our Super Bowls. I think the Ravens are going to make it all the way. I think that they're the better team this year. I think they got something to prove. What about you, man? I want to see Lamar do it in a big time game. So Lamar's 0 and 2 in the playoffs. He's still young. This is only his third year starting. Remember, and he avoided the sophomore slump that a lot of quarterbacks experience because a lot of quarterbacks in their second year, the, their rookie tape is out. And so defensive coordinators can then game plan around what a quarterback's strengths and weaknesses are. There was no slowdown in year two under Lamar. There was no sophomore slump. Yeah. He won the MVP. Now 
can he do this in a big time game week three game this is going to be almost a playoff like atmosphere but again for me it's the chiefs are the champs until you knock them off and i just i think kansas city like i was joking with sam about this last week because the chiefs did not cover last week in their win against the chargers and the chargers played an excellent game game went yeah. in overtime but I was telling Sam this, it's like any kind of spread or any kind of deficit the Chiefs face, as long as there's time on the clock and as long as they stay healthy, it's like they're able to put up points in like less than a minute. Mm -hmm. I just think that offense is just so high powered. It's like if Baltimore can ugly this game in the sense that they can turn it into a ground and pound game, okay, then I like the Ravens. But if we're talking about a shootout, you're not going to win a shootout against Patrick Mahomes. Now, you could make that same argument with Lamar on the flip side. But again, I'm going to go with the defending Super Bowl champions until someone knocks them off. To me, they're still the top dog. But James, you are right in the sense that the Ravens are a three-point favorite. I'm going to take the Chiefs to win outright. Three points isn't all that much, but you've got the Ravens too. So I can't wait. I've got my popcorn ready. I know what I'm doing Monday night, but... We're actually starting the pod, James, with this game just because this is the premier game to watch in week three and what might be the game of the year during the 2020 regular season. Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt, I think this is this is this should be the best regular season matchup going into it. And the fact that it's on Monday night, the fact that each coach, both great coaches, too, we haven't talked about the coaches yet, but they have that extra time to game plan. Players have that extra time to kind of get healthy. This should be an amazing game. And I think really when we think about it, what it comes down to is like, did Lamar Jackson take that step forward as a passer, right? Because he's going to have to do that in this game. But I don't know. Like, you know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to really keep – like, you just have to wait and see what happens. Like, who, who's going to come out with more fire? Who, who wants it more? I think that's what it, kind of what it comes down to because both of these rosters are incredibly talented. And really, it's kind of like the Chiefs have a young running game where the where Baltimore kind of has like a young receiving core. Uh, you know, it's like they almost kind of mirror each other as as opposites. James, let me build on your point about Lamar as a passer. It's making those throws outside of the numbers. So if you look at where the numbers are placed on a field, he goes up the seam a lot of times to Pro Bowl tight end Mark Andrews. And that was what made the Ravens so exotic last year in the sense that he would have a lot of easy passes in tight formations. And the Ravens did that specifically to tailor the offense to Lamar Jackson's skill set. And kudos to them because as a team, they set a team record for most rushing yards of any team in NFL history a season ago goes back to my point about defensive coordinators can then make adjustments based on what a team does successfully and then tries to expose a player's weaknesses so can Lamar Jackson complete those passes on the outside to guys like Hollywood Brown and effectively use the passing game on the outside if teams decide to stack the box and take away the middle and that's really what made the Ravens successful a season ago Great coaching matchup between Andy Reid and John Harbaugh. But, James, there's a lot of fun props in this one as well. But, you know, you said this before the pod, James. You said 
oh, is this the only time we get to see these two teams play? If we're lucky, we'll see these two teams match up in the playoffs yet again. But I hope this is just the preview, which should be a two-round matchup. Yeah, and, you know, I like I said before, I mentioned, you know, can Lamar take that step forward as a passer? But in a game that's predicted to be as close as this one is, with the Ravens being a three-point favorite, you can't ignore the importance of Lamar Jackson's mobility and that talent for him to pick up big chunks of yards with his legs. When it comes down to a, a close game like this, you can't overlook that skill set and just expect him to be a passer because that's what makes him so electric. That's what makes him such a great player is that extra ability to pick up huge chunks of yards or pick up that extra yard when it matters with his feet. But I think too, you know, like you mentioned, building on your point where last year the Ravens set an NFL record for most rushing yards in history. I look at this and it's like the more clock the Ravens can eat up on offense, that means the less time Patrick Mahomes will hopefully be on the field for in, in, their, in their case. And that is almost like, like in, in their case, like the best, the best defense is a great offense, you know? James, that is an excellent point. And to your point about how the Ravens use Lamar Jackson as a runner, if you can run a design running play for him, effectively you're getting one more additional blocker. And this is something that Bill Belichick and the Patriots are utilizing Cam Newton with him as a running quarterback. And look, there are different styles of runners. But if you have an additional blocker, it just kind of shows you the new school mentality of how offensive coordinators like Greg Roman are utilizing their quarterbacks in this league. And it's no wonder that in the offseason, there were a lot of teams inquiring about Greg Roman to hire him as their head coach. That didn't happen. He remained the Ravens offensive coordinator. But there was a reason why, because of his success and again, getting the most out of Lamar Jackson's ability, both with his legs and throwing the ball. And that's the reason why he won the MVP a season ago. Like I said, though, James, I think whichever team wins would propel that player into the favorite to win NFL MVP. Right now, Russell Wilson is considered the favorite. He's been overdue to win an MVP award. And at this point, you just expect excellence out of Russell. But Lamar Jackson is the second in which he would then be back-to-back MVPs. And then Patrick Mahomes is listed uh, with the same odds as Lamar Jackson. Both are listed at plus 500 right now. So again, whichever guy wins, and if it is decisive, you then have a new favorite of who the NFL MVP is going to be through three weeks of the season. So I'm excited to see how those odds change beyond week three, depending on the outcome of the Monday night football game. Obviously this game has huge implications when it comes to the MVP race, but you know, neither one of these quarterbacks is thinking about that. It's about getting the W and trying to get back to the Super Bowl. In Lamar Jackson's case, as far as getting the Super Bowl and getting that pressure off of him that Patrick Mahomes has already done, I think that'll be huge. You know, I think one of the things, too, is, like, I would love to see the Ravens win. I would love to see the Ravens win the Super Bowl for just that reason because both these quarterbacks are so young and are so talented and have such a career ahead of them that it would be great if they could both get a Super Bowl early because I think they would just kind of propel that rivalry for years to come. You want to see the new school version of what used yeah. to be Tom Brady and Peyton exactly. Manning, and yes, this is exactly. now a new school version of that. I got yeah, you, James. No, 100%. Got you, James. Yeah. All right, let's roll. The Bears taking on the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons, a three and a half point favorite. Now, James, before we get too far in the weeds with mm-hmm. the Bears, I want to pay tribute to Chicago Bears legend Gail Sayers. 
RIP to Gail Sayers, just wanted to provide a proper tribute to a legend. I read his biography, I Am Third. It is outstanding, it is inspiring, and the book served as an inspiration to the movie Brian's Song. Now, Brian's Song was an award-winning TV movie starring James Caan as Brian Piccolo and Billy D. Williams as Gail Sayers. And this story, the reason for the importance of this was Sayers and Piccolo were believed to be the first interracial roommates for a major professional sports organization. And so their relationship was very special just because Piccolo died at the age of 26 in 1970 from a rare form of cancer. But Gail Sayers, James, imagine him at fantasy football. They nicknamed him the Kansas Comet. He once scored six touchdowns in a game as a rookie. This was in 1965, and he did this only on 16 touches, 336 all-purpose yards. This guy was one of the best and truly was a comet of a player in the NFL. And James, in my research of Gail Sayers, I did not know this. He was born in Wichita, Kansas in 1943, but he was raised in Omaha, Nebraska in your backyard. And you did a little bit of research before the pod about his history going to Omaha Central High School. Omaha Central was actually one of the rivals of my high school, Creighton Prep. I feel like everyone is kind of like a rival of my high school here in Omaha. But actually, like while I was in high school, there was a, uh, I think it was like the 50-year celebration of the 0-0 tie between my high school, Creighton Prep, and Omaha Central that Gail Sayers played in. And actually, like that year, you know, Central had this crazy offense, obviously, and Prep had this super stout defense. And yeah, and the game just, neither coach wanted to go into overtime and so back then, it was actually played in Rosenblatt Stadium, which was the baseball stadium that hosted the College World Series before they moved it to the new stadium here in Omaha, TD Ameritrade Park. But yeah, so when I was in high school, it was like the 50-year reunion. And so there was a ton of pageantry behind this to where we like, based on like what our number was, like if the guys who wore that number, like we got paired up and we like walked out onto the field with them. We had these throwback jerseys that were then auctioned off, like throwback helmets, jerseys, pants, everything. And we got to play actually on the field at Rosenblatt, Creighton Prep won. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a really, it was a really cool, it was a really cool experience to really just to kind of go back and to celebrate like that kind of crazy game that ended in a zero, zero tie and kind of, and, and also celebrate like an Omaha legend uh, as well. And James, his, career his professional career once he got to the bears was cut short because of a knee injury but i tell you what for any of the fans out there who haven't seen it go check out his highlight tape it is one of the best ever and in that game where he scored six touchdowns it's like the way he's moving is just different than every other player on the field because it's damp it's slippery it's muddy and he's moving faster and quicker than any of the other players out there Go check that out if you haven't. But, James, let's get into Bears at Falcons. Again, the Falcons are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. James, I'm going to be running with Mitch Trubisky until he lets me down. Somehow, the Bears are 2-0 in the 2020 season. The Falcons are 0-2, and the Falcons are coming off that crazy comeback victory by the Dallas Cowboys. 
James, that onside kick, I have a very simple solution because everyone was confused by the voodoo of it. If you're a part of the receiving team, why don't you just kick the ball out of bounds? Simple. Boom. You get the ball back. Just kick it out of bounds. What's wrong with that? Instead of just looking at it. Or better yet, or better yet, Mark, why don't you just jump on it? Well, you could fumble then. If you kick it out of bounds, there's no... Yeah. I mean, I... You know what? Like you can look at it. It was it was a bad it was a bad it was a bad play by the special teams. You know, I feel like at this point, because players can no longer get a running start on the onside kick, it really comes down to does the receiving team make an error? And in this case, they did. But unlike you, I picked against the Bears the past two weeks. I've picked for the Falcons the past two weeks. So I'm locked in. I'm ride or die. Falcons over Bears week three. Okay, even if Julio doesn't play because Julio did not practice on Thursday after tweaking his hamstring. We'll see there because the Falcons have put up points this season, averaging 32 points per game and 443 yards. That should be a fun one in Atlanta. Let's go to Rams at Bills. The Bills minus three. James, talk me out of this. Am I crazy to think that Bills quarterback Josh Allen is a dark horse candidate to win MVP. Talk me out of this. Yeah, I, dude, I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> here's, your, here's your response. Here's the counter to that. We're only two weeks into the season. You're absolutely nuts. But both the Bills and Rams, both undefeated teams. All right, I will say this, Mark. Okay, Josh Allen wins games. Bills Mafia is great. But I do have to say, you know, they beat the Jets only by 10 points. They beat the Dolphins by like what a field goal. So it's like sure the Bills are two and zero, but it's two and zero by a narrow margin against not very good teams. I don't think that the Rams have gotten as much credit as they deserve. I still feel like because their backfield doesn't have like the All Star Todd Gurley fully healthy rushing for like ungodly amounts of yards and whatever else. Like people will think that they're not a good team anymore. They are a very good team. I got the Rams over the Bills. I think that their portfolio of wins so far, even though it's only two, is much better than the Bills. And, and I, for me, it's really just because the Bills, could, the Bills could only beat the Jets by 10 points. They can only beat the Dolphins by three. The Rams are much, much better than either one of those teams. I hear you. I guess I'm just drinking the Josh Allen Kool-Aid, and I like this Bills defense and just their style of play of running the ball and playing stout defense. I'm taking the Bills minus three. One last point. Jared Goff, I think, might be one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL, too. I hear you. I hear you. And he's still a young player in this league, too. I just think Josh Allen, dark horse MVP, keep your eye on it. I'm not saying place a wager now, but right now there's great value at plus 2,000. For Josh Allen to win the MVP. If you listen to this back, say in like week four and the Bills are two and two, you can just pretend like I never said anything. All I'm saying is that Rams have beat the Eagles and the Cowboys, and the Bills have beat the Jets and the Dolphins. Like, come on. Like, let's just like just let's just factor that in and, and just read it as it is. Can't control yeah, who I'm, you play, James. I hear you. I'm I hear you. I'm trying to talk you out of it, but you're not letting me. <laughs> Maybe my wager is already placed, James. Hey, ride or die, Josh Allen, right? Those mafia, baby. <laughs> okay, so the Washington football team at the Cleveland yes. Browns. 
Yes. Somehow, James, the Browns are the second largest favorite in week three, other than the mm. Colts. Indy is favored by 10 points over the New York Jets. Shows you kind of how wacky week three is and really how close a lot of the matchups are. I like totally. Cleveland to win, but I think Washington covers. The Washington football team has 11 sacks through the first two weeks of the season, and that leads the league so far. I think this matchup comes down to, okay, can you shut down the Browns running game and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, and then can you get after quarterback Baker Mayfield? Definitely. And the Washington defensive line is tenacious. And I think that that's going to give Baker Mayfield a lot of problems. I called it in week one. I'm going to go back to it in week three. I got Washington over the Browns. Outright win. Not even cover. Outright win. All right. (laughs) All right. Go big or go home, man. You're high on the Washington football team this season, uh, James. You're drinking uh, the Ron Rivera Kool-Aid and Dwayne Haskins. and Hey, I love a dark horse. I think the Washington football team (laughs) is going to be a dark horse squad this year. Okay, the Titans now a three-point favorite at Minnesota. Titans 2-0, Vikings 0-2. This line opened at one and a half. It's now at three. The Titans have defensive concerns, but James, this Vikings team does not even resemble a team that made the playoffs a season ago. Mike Zimmer's defense has given up 71 points for the first two weeks. Anthony Barr, the team star linebacker, will miss the season. And just to put that 71 points through two weeks into perspective, the Vikings allowed 73 points through their first five games in 2019. I'm going to take the Titans on the road against Minnesota. Minnesota hasn't looked great. And I know a lot of people, when they were looking at the Titans at the beginning of the season, were like, hey, if Tannehill can play the way he played last year, Titans are going to be great. But Derrick Henry, I think, has actually been the person that hasn't been playing up to par so far this year. So we'll have to see if Derrick Henry can kind of get things, get things going, get back to kind of that 2019 pace. Because, I mean, Tannehill's playing great. A.J. Brown's out with a knee injury. So we'll kind of just have to see how that, how that goes. If Henry can't get going, I think that they're going to start having some issues. I'm picking the Titans. I agree with you. Once the season rolls along a little bit, you get later and later into the season, the weather gets colder too. When the weather gets colder, you run the ball a little bit more and it's harder for defenses to stop because if you have to try to tackle a guy like Derrick Henry, you know, it's not that fun when it's freezing cold out and snow's coming down from the sky. So I think Henry will get going. It'll be later in the season like it was a season ago. Again, I like the Titans in this one just because the Vikings have not looked anything like the team that we saw last year. Okay, Raiders at Patriots. Patriots a six-point favorite. James, if you would have told me at the start of the year that the Raiders were going to be 2-0 and that the Patriots would be 1-1 headed in this game, I would have thought you were nuts. But the Patriots were very nearly 2-0, if not for a goal line stand by the Seahawks in Week 2 on Sunday Night Football. I'll say this, I do like Josh Jacobs out of the backfield for the Raiders, but the Patriots and the way that they're using Cam Newton. Sam said this on one of our previous podcasts, but the Patriots always do this where they get a guy off the scrap heap, they get great values, they find inefficiencies in the market, and the guy plays at a Pro Bowl level, and that is what Cam Newton is doing in New England thus far. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that the Patriots would be one and one, I wouldn't have, I, that, that didn't, that didn't surprise me. You know, I was not surprised by any means that the Patriots lost to the Seahawks without Tom Brady, even though they did get Cam Newton. I think that Cam has looked great. I think they've utilized him as a runner amazingly. And I think they're, they're squeezing him, bringing him out for every single last little bit that he's worth. And they've definitely kind of re-geared their offense to, to make him work for them. But the Raiders have looked really good. Let me counter. It's not so much that the Patriots are 1-1. One and one. It's that the Raiders are 2-0. and oh. And the odds yeah. makers agree with me, James. They think that the Raiders are a little bit of a paper yeah. tiger, if you will. And here's what I sure. mean by that. The odds to be the last undefeated NFL team, the Raiders are the least favorite at plus 2,000. The Ravens are the favorite at plus 300. The favorites for that would be the Ravens, Seahawks, and Chiefs. But the odds makers don't think that the Raiders are legit because of those numbers. They have the highest odds to be the last undefeated team in the NFL. Yeah, man. You know, I'm picking the Raiders to cover. Okay. I, okay. I like them. They've looked great these first two weeks and being able to watch them in the new, what is it? The new Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. I said it before, I always hated the baseball field and the dirt on, on the football field. I always hated it. It just bothered me. So to have them in a fresh, new, shiny stadium, loved it. So for that reason alone, I am going for the Raiders to cover. Okay, I'm going to take the Patriots just because I don't even think this is a conversation if Cam Newton sneaks into the end zone against Seattle in week two and it's a 2-0 and Patriots team versus a 1-1 and Patriots team. I'm going to take the Patriots minus six to cover against the Raiders on Sunday. 49ers at Giants and James... Both teams are going to have to get some guys off the scrap heap to play in this one. And it has nothing to do with the pandemic. It has to do with all of the injuries that both teams face. Mm -hmm. Saquon's out for the Giants. And then there is a whole list of players on the 49ers from Nick Bosa to Solomon Thomas, D Ford, Richard Sherman, Raheem Mostert, Jimmy G's doubtful. George Kittle is questionable. I'll say this, if the Giants lose this game, they might take the crown as New York's worst football team ahead of the Jets, worse than the Jets if they lose this one against the 49ers on Sunday. The 49ers, a four-point favorite. I'll say this, this to me was the stay-away game this week if you don't have to gamble. I'll take the 49ers just because the Giants haven't really showed me a whole lot through two weeks this season. I would agree. The Giants are bad, and... This just reminds me of the year that they got Saquon. You know, like Odell went down. Like this, the entire team got hurt, and they just stunk. And they're going to get another, like, top draft pick. They might even get the top draft pick again. And I just look at this, and it's just like this Giants team has been bad for so long that they're just kind of starting to resemble the Cleveland Browns in the sense that <laughs> in the sense that they draft a player in the top three every single year, they don't get any better and they just keep firing their coaches. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> hey, every joke has some truth to it. And that the reason why I'm laughing is I don't think any organization wants to be compared to the Browns. Well, they're starting to be very Brown esque. Um, 
they just they just they're just they just look bad. And Here's also I, too, like, and let's also like think about that, like they had Odell, and in the year that they finally decided to draft a quarterback, they traded away their best receiver. Like <laughs> that that's like the most like Cleveland Brown move ever. And the fact is that they did it to the Cleveland Browns. So it's just like <laughs> It's just like I'm just like all right, cool. Like you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Where it's just like it's like oh, the curse rubbed off. Like I think the Cleveland curse curse like rubbed off on, on the New York Giants, dude. So bad. So uh, I'll bad. tell you what, you're gonna get your fair share of Danny Dimes this season, whether he's the guy or not. Again, I've said this earlier, and I've mentioned this to a few friends of mine that are Giants fans. You have to think if you have the top overall pick. Yeah, right. Go ahead and go ahead and get Trevor Lawrence and get Daniel Jones up on out of there because and if you, know, you think I'm you know being what? harsh, if you think I'm being harsh, look what the Cardinals did with Josh Rosen and now they're cooking with Kyler Murray. Yeah, you know what? I'll tell you this. I think that if you have that number one spot, I feel like you kind of have to take Trevor Lawrence, no matter what. Either that or you're not going to take someone else in that spot. You're either trading the spot or you're drafting Trevor Lawrence because you're going to get two first-rounders to get that slot for a pick. We are on the same page there. So it's like if they think that Danny Dimes is their guy, that's cool. I mean, maybe they could trade him for some more picks. Like I don't know though that you would necessarily get a first-round pick for Daniel Jones. Like he hasn't really shocked and all, you know, like – in one game, I feel like I'm more excited for Herbert's future than I am for Danny Dimes. And then we look at the Bengals. Joe looks great. Yeah, um, and there's some recency bias. There's some recency bias there, no doubt. But yeah, but I you want to see I, you want to see what Jones can do with a young receiver like Darius Slayton, and then what the Giants can do under first-year head coach Joe Judge. And you want to see, look, you might not have the best talent in the league, but can you at least be competitive? And is there going to be improvement with the team from where we are headed into week three compared to where this team's at in week 17? I mean, I don't know. If you're the Giants, would you take Trevor Lawrence? You have to. If you're bad, even if you already kind of took your guy a couple picks ago, it's like, oh, man, but we just took a guy like – two years ago like do you want to do another one it's like will you look at that and it's like what's two years versus 10 years or 12 years or you look at tom brady 20 years well i feel like a broken record in saying this but remember when the salary cap changed back in the day there was no salary cap on rookie draft picks so sam bradford of the st louis rams back in the day was the last guy who made upwards of $70 million on his rookie deal. Most rookie contracts, they're north of $30 million, but they're short of 40. So you're not hamstrung in the same way if you do decide, okay, we are going to draft a quarterback, a rookie quarterback, what, two years after we drafted Daniel Jones. So it's not as preposterous to do that as it was back in the day in the sense that back in the day, if you swing and miss, whether it's Sam Bradford with injuries or whether it's a guy like Jamarcus Russell with the Oakland Raiders back in the day. You swing and miss on a quarterback in the first round 10, 15 years ago, you're setting your franchise back at least five years. In this case, though, like you look at that, like we're speculating here, and I know we hate speculating, but I feel like the Giants, because of how they've performed the past few years, it's like, you know, Daniel Jones, I think, could be a very serviceable quarterback moving forward. But it's just like, what, by the time they take him, will he have been in his second or third year of his contract? 
it'll be entering his third year because this is his second his year. year. This is his second year in the his league. Second year. So really, it's like you draft Trevor Lawrence, you let him sit for a year and learn, and then you can just kind of get, you can just kind of like not resign Daniel Jones. And some people like might that. say, oh, well, you're allocating too much money at the quarterback position, which is probably true. In which case, you see what you can get for Daniel Jones on an open market. But I go back to if you can get a blue chip quarterback, which every team in this league is trying to get. And by all indications, Trevor Lawrence is going to be potentially one of those guys along the lines of, okay, a true game changer, a guy like a Mahomes, a guy like a Lamar, a guy like a Russell Wilson. You have a blue chip quarterback that changes everything for your franchise. Trevor Lawrence is potentially one of those quarterbacks. We haven't seen that from Daniel Jones thus far, and that's why it's going to be really interesting to see what he does during the remainder of the 2020 season. But again, James, if you're a New York football fan this year, bless your soul because it is going to be a long season, whether you're a Jets or a Giants fan. James, let's go to the next game, the Bengals at the Eagles. The Eagles are on the verge of complete collapse, James. And I think this is the week where Joe Burrow gets his first NFL win as a starting quarterback in this league. Yeah, I'll buy that. Like I said, I know you mentioned it kind of earlier, recency bias, but I thought that Joe has looked really good in every single game that he's played. Like, granted, he's made dumb rookie mistakes. He's done stuff like go for the wrong way on a fake handoff or whatever else. But it's like – you know, you look at some of these guys when they play their first year and it's like, it's just so bad. And it's just like, you know, you feel bad for the guy because they have nothing around them. It's just, they have, they're hopeless. Like, I think we all kind of knew going into this year that Joe Burrow wasn't going to win a lot of games, but it's just like, you look at him and you look at the way he plays and it's like, all right, like this guy seems like he was a good pick. He's a good investment. Looks like the Bengals are going to be headed on the right direction. And man, how about Carson Wentz? Yeah. Four picks through two weeks, tied with Kirk Cousins for most in the NFL. Joe Burrow throwing the ball 61 times in week two against the Browns. That is not a recipe for success for the Bengals at all. I know they're facing a deficit in that game. I just hope Burrow can stay healthy through the remainder of the season and they can block for him because he's shown flashes already that he could be a guy. He could be that blue chip quarterback. I like the Bengals and I like the Bengals to win outright. This opened at six and a half. It's now at four and a half. The Eagles are favored, but I like the Bengals in this one. Yeah, same. Okay, we both like Cincinnati. Let's let's move on. James Houston at Pittsburgh. The Steelers now a four-point favorite. And with this Houston Texans team, Texans lose to the Chiefs in week one, lose to the Ravens in week two. Week three is a do or die situation for this team. My argument for the Texans is, is there really any other NFL team out there that would have come out 2-0 and facing the Chiefs and the Ravens the first two weeks of the season? It is a must-win game for the Texans on Sunday. And you can whip out any metric that's like, oh, teams that start 0-2, like only six of them have ever made it to the playoffs or whatever else. And it's like, I'm sure those six teams probably had a similar start to their season that that Houston's had. Like you could split those two games apart by eight weeks and they would probably still both be losses. So if I'm a Houston Texans fan, I'm not hitting the panic button as far as their playoff hopes being completely diminished. Everyone seems to like want to agree that Houston's offense is really struggling since they lost Hopkins. Everyone also wants to agree that the Steelers' defense is great, but 
what I look at when I looked at like the past two weeks for the Steelers is that they beat the Broncos with an injured Drew Locke and they beat the Giants by a combination of 15 points total. Now, the Giants suck. We've already agreed on that in this episode. We've talked about the Broncos before and their love-hate, but it's like with Drew Locke out, with Cortland Sutton out, it's going to be a rough year for the Broncos. And to say that arguably like what a lot of people want to call the best defense in the NFL, only winning by a 15-point margin combined, I don't know if I'm buying the Steelers hype anymore. I like Houston to cover here. I like Houston to cover as well. I've been high on Pittsburgh this season. At times, the Steelers' defense has been extremely potent. They're second in the league with 10 sacks total this year. They had seven against the Broncos in week two. And Watson should be concerned, Deshaun Watson, because he's been sacked eight times this season. That's tied for most among any quarterback in the league. That's really what this game's going to come down to in my eyes is whether the Steelers can get after Deshaun Watson from a pass rush standpoint. But when this schedule first came out for the Steelers, James, you know I do a Steelers podcast. I looked at the schedule and I said, okay, Giants week one, probably a win there. And then you had Denver in week two and then Houston in week three. And I said this, I said, I don't know which game they'll get tripped up between week two and week three. Before the start of the season, a lot of people had the Broncos as their sleeper team in the AFC West. Now, again, you mentioned the injury to Cortland Sutton. They also had an injury to Von Miller and to Philip Lindsay as well. So this is a team that has been decimated with injuries. Drew Locke is now going to be out for several weeks. Maybe it wasn't going to be the Broncos in week two, but instead the Texans, and especially, again, a Texans team with its back up against the wall. Again, I'm going to take the Houston Texans also to cover this four-point spread on the road at Pittsburgh this weekend. James will go to the Jets against the Indianapolis Colts. Colts running back Jonathan Taylor coming off an 101-yard rushing performance against the Giants. And the Colts are going to need more of this because, remember, running back Marlon Mack is out for the season with a torn Achilles. I know 10 points is a lot, but there's a reason why Adam Gase is the favorite to be the first coach fired this season. And so I think that the Colts cover 10 points and we're shaping up for the ultimate toilet bowl among the worst NFL team in New York if the Jets and Giants start out 0-3. Yeah, I mean, right now it's looking like Crowder's out, Bell's out. I think that there are some college teams that have more weapons than than the Jets. (laughs) If I'm hearing you right, James, are you now giving a life update that you are now an emergency receiver for the New York football Jets? If I'm hearing you right. I don't know, man. I look at the injury issues they're having on the team right now, and I wouldn't want to play for them. I'd rather put my health first. But James, you've got the stature. You're what, like six foot? I think you'd be a, a nice addition to this squad. Could be a nice target for Sam Darnold. Maybe, but uh, I'll tell you right now, I think this one isn't even close. Colts by a mile. Just there's there's just nothing. There's just nothing on the Jets roster. I feel bad for Jets fans, man, but that's what you get when you're a Jets fan. Must point out to GM Joe Douglas wasn't in New York when the Jets drafted Sam Darnold with the third pick of the 2018 NFL draft. So. He can set his sights on Trevor Lawrence, too. The tanking for Trevor sweepstakes are already underway. Panthers at Chargers. The Chargers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite over under at 43-and-a-half. 
James, this story about Tyrod Taylor is one of the more bizarre stories we've seen in the NFL. And this isn't breaking news by any stretch of the imagination, but a team doctor accidentally puncturing Taylor's lung just before kickoff Sunday while trying to administer a pain-killing injection to Taylor's cracked ribs. This is unbelievable to me because I'm thinking of this from the standpoint of, okay, is Tyrod Taylor now going to file a potential lawsuit against the Chargers? Justin Herbert thrust into action. He plays extremely well on his first start, nearly beats the Chiefs. But I like the Chargers in this one, even with the rookie quarterback. And I hate to rub this in your face, James, but your, your guy CMC, Christian McCaffrey, He's out for several weeks with an ankle injury. I like this Chargers defense, my man. I've been saying that since before week one. I like the Chargers defense. And I think the Chargers might have found themselves a quarterback. And like you said, Christian McCaffrey's out. My number one pick in fantasy. My number two pick being Kittle. My number three, three, <laughs> three pick being Kenny G. It's not, it's not been great. But no one cares about my fantasy team. Any of the listeners out there, send James a care package. He needs all the support he can get because that is just brutal. Brutal. But I like the Chargers, too, to win this week. And it's crazy. This Chargers defense has been playing well without Derwin James, who's also out for the season. They've been great. But I think, too, when you just look at the impact of an injury and what Christian McCaffrey can bring to a team, losing a player like that is difficult to replace. I think you see that when you look at some other teams, like the Saints that we'll talk about here in a little bit. but. When one of your star players gets hurt, you feel it. There's no lie. Well, especially a team like the Panthers with a new quarterback in Teddy Two Gloves Bridgewater. Teddy Two Gloves. You like that. You like that. Yeah, and then a new head coach over there in Matt Rule as well in Carolina. So, okay, we both like the Chargers in that one. Bucks at Broncos in James. Tom Brady has struggled against the Broncos historically. He's four and seven all time in the regular season against Denver, eight and nine when including the postseason as well. But these are games where he's not going up against Jeff Driscoll as the quarterback. I think Brady and the Bucks should run away with this game. I like the Bucks to cover the six and win with ease. This Broncos team really struggled last weekend against Pittsburgh. They did make halftime adjustments, but getting your quarterback sacked as many times as they did seven sacks for the Steelers in week two against the Broncos is not a recipe for success. The Broncos injuries we've already detailed as well without Von Miller, without Cortland Sutton, without Philip Lindsay. You know, and now without starting quarterback Drew Locke, it's been a brutal couple weeks of Fanny Pack Vic Fangio, the head coach of the Broncos. I like the Bucks to cover in this one. I like the Bucks to cover too. I think it's really hard to try to go with the Broncos in this game, especially when you think about all the injuries that they're facing right now. On the flip side, Tampa Bay is healthy, and being healthy goes a long way. That's with the one caveat of wide receiver Chris Godwin. But other than that, I mean, all things considered with all the different weapons and some guys who are older on the Bucks. So you've got Brady, who's 43. You've got an elder LaShawn McCoy in the backfield. You've got Rob Gronkowski, who's 
now into his 30s as well. So you've got some age as well and players who have stayed healthy for the Bucks. And Chris Godwin's going to be back. He's still overcoming, uh, still in concussion protocol, but he'll be back at some point this season. It's not like it's some sort of knee injury or season-ending injury there. Lions at Cardinals. Cardinals a six-point favorite. And James, I think there's some buzz, some legitimate buzz too, about Kyler Murray potentially emerging as an MVP candidate. I don't want to step on your feet here too much, James, but a few weeks ago, you compared Kyler Murray and said he's almost like Lamar Light, a Lamar Jackson Light. I think that's an incredible comp there, and the Cardinals are playing good football thus far in 2020. They are. But on the flip side, you know, you look at this game and this game's going to tell you a lot about Detroit too. I think this game's going to tell you more about Detroit than it's going to tell you about Arizona. The Lions offense has not looked good the past couple weeks. That being said, Kenny G was out weeks one and two. And having that deep threat, especially with a quarterback who can just throw a bomb like Matt Stafford, I think that takes an element away from this offense and I think it takes an element away from Matt Stafford. So if Kenny G is fully healthy and he can play a full game, I actually like Detroit here. I think they cover. Okay, you're rolling with Matt Patricia and the boys. The Lions have currently lost 11 straight games that Matt Patricia has coached. The over-under there is set at 13 and a half. You throw out that stat that Patricia's lost 11 straight. You also have to think that Stafford got hurt for a large majority of the season last year. And now this year going into, the, going into these first two games, their number one receiver has been out. So this team hasn't been healthy since like, what, early to mid last year. Maybe Marvin Jones Jr. isn't really a number one guy. Maybe he's, he's a number two guy and that's where his, he finds his success. Maybe this know, is man. my Chicago bias, but I've seen this narrative with Detroit. And for the ninth time since Barry Sanders retired after the 98 season, the Lions are 0-2. Their best finish after starting 0-2 was 7-9 in 2015. And five times they've won three games or fewer. I've seen this narrative before with Detroit of, oh, they actually have some talent. And they do have some talent in the backfield. If you want to talk about from a running back standpoint, AP, Carrion Johnson, and DeAndre Swift. But I've just seen this Lions narrative time and time and time again. On the flip side with Arizona, you've got the Lions, the Panthers, and the Jets in the next three weeks. If the Cardinals take care of business and start 5-0 and for the first time since 1974, that Kyler Murray MVP buzz is going to get louder and louder, James. It is. But in order to win the MVP, he still has to be better than Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson. That's a heck of a thing to do. I hope he does. That'd be great to, to, get, to get another young quarterback kind of solidified in this league. So James has got the Lions to cover. I've got the Cardinals in this one. Let's move on. Cowboys at Seahawks. And James, I didn't really realize how poorly that the Seahawks defense has played headed into Sunday's game. The Cowboys, of course, coming off their miraculous comeback capped off by that onside kick recovery leading to a field goal in week two to beat the Falcons. I'm going to take the Seahawks to cover. I am all aboard the Russell Wilson MVP campaign for the 2020 season. I'm also on board with the let Russ cook campaign as well. I'm going to take the Seahawks to cover against the Cowboys on Sunday. 
the over for this game is is at 57, and I think I'm going to take it. I don't think there's really going to be much defense in this game. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be exciting. And I have, but I have a hard time picking against Russell Wilson. And the Cowboys always seem to want to be the Cowboys. So I'm going to go Seahawks. Final game on the schedule, Sunday night football, Packers at Saints. Saints a three-point favorite. Packers 2-0, Saints 1-1. and And I tell you what, James, who knew that drafting quarterback Jordan Love in the first round to serve as the team's third-string quarterback would help Aaron Rodgers find the fountain of youth Packers have racked up more than 1,000 yards of offense through two games. I think this Rodgers and head coach Matt LaFleur connection is finally starting to mesh in year two. Packers look incredible so far, and it breaks my heart to say that as a Bears fan. The Packers are playing really, really well. But like I've said a couple times already today, you got to look at who they played. They played the Vikings, and they played the Detroit Lions. I don't like the Saints without Michael Thomas. I think Drew Brees, the rumor that he can't throw downfield anymore, I think it's probably true. But the Saints have played two good teams where Green Bay has played a couple cupcakes. So I'm going Saints. All right. I will take the Packers. I just, with how both teams are trending, I hear you. And I think the Saints team is definitely different with Michael Thomas in the lineup. He did not practice on Thursday. And James, Drew Brees looks every bit of 41 years old. I could run you through a few stats, which I will if you want to make the case for or against him. But the question I have for you, James, is what's the threshold for Sean Payton to say, you know what? We're going to throw Jameis Winston out there because we think he gives us the best chance to win. Like at what point? does it have to get to for Sean Payton to make that decision? I don't think that Sean Payton would ever make that decision, you know? (laughs) Um, And I'll tell you this too. No, no, no. And I'll tell you this. Making a decision like that is kind of like when the Giants benched Eli, you know? Like it was disrespectful to Eli. and, And it's not like the product got any better on the field. This was a season uh, before they drafted Daniel Jones. And I think too, I think there's definitely a strong relationship between Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And I don't think that he would just outright bench Drew Brees for Jameis Winston because I feel like Drew Brees brings an element of kind of limiting mistakes, similar to like a Tom Brady. Like sure. They're going to throw a pick every once in a while. Like sure. They might not have the arm talent that they used to, but when push comes to shove, They're both first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And really all Jameis is bringing is a lot of, is like high risk, maybe high reward. Like you said, it's like, at what point would he make that call? I don't think he does. I don't think there's enough upside to Jameis. Drew Brees is certainly a a lot less risk averse than Winston is, as a quarterback. And at some point in time though, again, Brees is 41. Father time catches everyone in this league. Everyone in sports for that matter. And so I'm just like, at what point does that happen? But then if you do go about doing that, is it too little too late? You don't want to disrespect a guy who's won a Super Bowl for you, a guy who's done more for New Orleans than we could ever even imagine. 
at the same time, are you letting past performance dictate what is best for your current team? I think Jameis Winston should be a starter somewhere. You know I'm not his biggest fan by any stretch of the means, James. But I think this is why the Saints bring him in. Because if Breeze continues to struggle and the Saints go, again, I don't know how long Michael Thomas is going to be out, but if the Saints drop a few games, at what point in time do you pull the plug and say, hey, I want to see what Jameis gives us? I don't know what that threshold is. And I think you might be right in the sense that maybe that threshold does not exist so long that Drew Brees is healthy as the Saints quarterback. Maybe we're being a little bit overly harsh. Yeah, I was just about to say that it's like the Saints lost the game to the Raiders only by 10 points. And it's like you're calling for Drew Brees to be benched. I feel like that's a little extreme. The big thing that I look at and the thing that Brees is always praised on is his accuracy. 64.7% completion clip, which is still a good number, James. That's 10 percentage points lower than each of his past two seasons. And so the numbers are kind of backing up what a lot of people have seen, the eye test with their eyes. I think you're right. We need a larger sample size to say whether that's happening or not. We'll see what happens as the season moves on. James, final thoughts before we wrap up here on another edition of Stuck in Misery. I'm excited for week one of SEC football. Go check out our interview that we did this week with former Mizzou quarterback James Franklin. He and a combination of Matty Mock were actually the first Mizzou team to win the SEC East. So check out our interview and see what he has to say about the upcoming matchup versus Alabama this week. They opened as an 18-and-a-half-point underdog. The line has now moved to 28-and-a-half. I've not seen a line move that much in my entire life. So I'm going to be hoping and praying on Saturday that the Tigers can even remain competitive. But that's going to be part of the fun on Saturday. Hey, man. You know, sometimes you just got to go in there and just got to hope. We'll see what happens. Go Tigers. For James West, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you for tuning in to Stuck in Misery. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll be happy to read that here on the show. We've done that in the past. That's always a lot of fun. Thank you to all of the listeners. Enjoy the opening weekend for the SEC in college football and week three of the NFL. Take care. So long, everyone, and we'll see you next time.